petition. Uh, our New Testament reading. Ooh, that was right on my face. Uh, our New Testament reading is taken from Philippians chapter 3. Uh, it'll be on the screen behind you as well. If you have a Bible, please feel free to open it. Uh, and we'll be reading the second half of verse 4, where the Apostle Paul sort of starts a new thought through verse 14. Paul writes this to the church in Philippi. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is in, or that which is through faith in Jesus Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the title of my sermon is, is uh, fairly straightforward based on the text. It's Consider Them Garbage. And actually, if you do a, a word study in Greek, the word is actually a bit more vulgar than just garbage, uh, which we'll talk about. But Paul starts this passage that some of us may know and some of us may be familiar with, um, with his resume of sorts. Um, talked about what his confidence used to be found in, right? Where his hope was. He lists this great list of, of, of what made him the person he was. And in verse 4, 5, and 6, we see this, and it inspires the reader, you and I, the recipient of these words, to think about the same thing. Paul says, listen, if this was a contest, there is no contest, right? He checks off all the, ba all the boxes. He is a Hebrew, he is of the tribe of Benjamin, trained as a Pharisee. He not only was such a good Hebrew or such a good Jew that he actually persecuted the Christians. So if you want to argue about zeal and zealousness, you can't compare, Right? He followed the law to the letter. He even says that based on the law, if you want to talk about following rules, verse 6, I'm faultless. So not only was he a good Jew, but he also had this zeal and fervor about who he was. And he says, listen, if you want to compare, if you want to compare confidence, <laughs> you're going to lose, right? And, and, and as, a, as the reader of this, as we sit here and think about this, what this is doing in, in the book of Philippians, Paul is talking about his own testimony, right? His own story, his own credentials. 
And it's a powerful story. Uh, If you've read the book of Acts, Paul's conversion and how he changed is a powerful, powerful story. And so for you and for me tonight, we begin by thinking, what is our story? What is our testimony? Um, Maybe you have pride in your citizenship, right? Maybe you think, I'm not just a citizen of, of, of my country, but I'm involved in politics and I volunteer. I can trace my roots back into one village for 500 years, right? Maybe, maybe it's your faith. Maybe you're a really proud believer and you say, well, yes, I was baptized as a baby and then I was confirmed at age 15 and then I got married in the same church and everyone knew that I married this Christian person from another good Christian family and now we're a good Christian couple What is it about you? Where do you place your confidence? Is it your your national pride? How you volunteer? Your church attendance, right? I've met people like this. Oh, I haven't. I I texted someone in the COVID thing and they were saying that they hadn't missed church in something like 20 something years. I said one time I even came with the flu just because I never missed church. I thought that is very irresponsible. Um, Where's your confidence? Where's your confidence? What is the thing that you look back on and you think, man, I did it right? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your family. I don't know. Um, You know, coming from America, this totally exists in Christian culture. I don't know about here, but in the U.S., it's a big deal, right? Oh, I go to youth group every week. Every Wednesday night, I go to youth group. And then every Sunday, and then, you know, I got baptized, and I go to a Christian college, and I get married to a good Christian girl, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. What looks good to your family and friends? When you look back or you think about your circles of family, friends, what looks good? What are you boasting about? Right? What is it that you're resting on? And and, and by the way, let me just mention, these are good things, okay? These are not bad things. It is not bad that the Apostle Paul was trained as a Pharisee. It is not bad if you have been to church every Sunday for 25 years. That's a good thing. You know, personally, I'm very proud of the choices I made. Personally, I am proud of the fact that I was that kid who went to youth group every week and went to a Christian Bible college and and became a pastor. I'm proud of these things. But do I boast about these things? Do I count myself better than someone else because of my master's degree? Do I think of myself as, as better because of the fact that, oh, well, I live abroad, and so I'm so much more cultured than the rest of America? Those of you who know me know how ridiculous that is. Do you consider your faith based on good things any better than anyone else's? You know, if we look at this, this is the story of Paul's life, and we get into his conversion here in a second, but the question I want to ask you and me is, what is the story we are telling the world? What is the story we are telling with our lives? What are we communicating that is most important to us? See, Paul's story Paul's life told a story. But it doesn't just stop here at the end of verse (laughs) 6, thankfully. There's a but. There's always a but. Paul, the Hebrew of Hebrews, says in verse 7 that he considers all of it loss for the sake of Jesus Christ. All the positives of his story, all the hard work he had done, he said that compared with the knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ, the the change in his life of knowing Jesus Christ, he considers it loss. 
for you and for me, if we say that we are Christians, if we identify with the risen Christ, then we too should say that no matter what we have accomplished, compared to that, it is nothing. In fact, verse 8, everything is loss. Everything. You know, remember last week I talked about being in the presence of God, for those of you who were here. We talked about how being in the presence of God, if you look through the scriptures, when someone encounters Jesus or when someone is in the presence of God in the Old Testament, it changes them. Paul, on, his, on the road to Damascus, his life changed. Before he was a nationalist, his pride was in his patriotism, in his faith, in his following the law, his identity as a Hebrew. But when he met Jesus Christ, when he met the risen Lord, he changed. He met Jesus. And so before we continue, we need to ask ourselves, have we met Jesus? Have you been changed? talked about this last week. When that happens, it makes us holy. We are sanctified. We are set apart. I always talk about it this way. You know, we all have different language for this, right? Born again, being saved, whatever. I just talk about it as really simply one of those times when someone could have said anything and you would have said, there's nothing anyone could tell me that would make me believe that Jesus doesn't love me the best. Maybe it was a time at a youth camp, maybe it was a time in a church service, maybe it was a time with family, I don't know, but something comes over you and you experience the love of Jesus like nothing you felt before and you just know in your heart of hearts that there is a God who loves you so intimately. And that changes us. Because to Paul, at the end of verse 8, he says everything up until this moment he considers now garbage compared to that feeling compared to that truth of knowing Jesus. <laughs> and, and this word garbage, some scholars think it means like table scraps you give to a dog, but some of them think it actually means even a little bit more, and it means like excrement. It means like, like refuse. <laughs> and if that's true, think about it. It's not just worthless, but it's so worthless that it's something that actually causes us revulsion. It makes you feel sick to look back and think, these are the things that used to matter? These are the things I counted as everything, and now because of Christ, I look back, and it looks like beep. This is essentially what Paul is saying. I mean, let that sink in. This is maybe the greatest theologian of the first century, and he's using this strong language because his old life, the things he put his faith in next to knowing Jesus are disgusting to him. Because by contrast, he has seen the risen Lord. He has seen God's righteousness. And so he goes on then, as he says, living for the sake of righteousness. And so in verse 9, he says that, that he wants to be found in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own, right? Not in, in, in all of his accomplishments, that comes from the law, but I want righteousness that is through faith in Jesus Christ. Not from the expectations of others, not from the rules that have been set down upon him, but from Christ and Christ alone through faith. See, church, we have to remember that our faith, our belief in God, our belief in the things in this book, it continues the work of Jesus in this world. It continues the very mission of Jesus Christ in the world and where God has put us. 
And it's from that same faith that our righteousness comes from. Not from the things that we accomplish, not from our resume or our CV, but from the faith that God has gifted to us. You know, as Paul said in, in, in chapter 1 to Philippians, he says it again in Romans and Ephesians, that our faith is a gift from God. God has bestowed upon you a gift that you would go and carry out the mission of Jesus in this world. That the source of your righteousness, righteousness would be a supernatural gift of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Not through anything we achieve. Not through anything that we can say, oh, well, I did this one thing, and so therefore I'm more righteous than you. And he continues, because Paul, this person who seems to have it all together, who thinks we would look and think he has it all figured out, says, because you know what I want? I want to know Jesus more. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ to the power of his resurrection, participate in his sufferings, and somehow, in verse 11, attain to the resurrection of the dead. I'm not exactly sure how that part works yet, but I know it's going to happen. And so we should have that same goal, that we seek out this righteousness of God, that we would know Christ more, that we would die like him, so that we truly might live. But as with Paul, we must know we are not there yet. And so, verse 12, we press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus has taken hold of in us. Verse 13 is, 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 is a perfect way to put this. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, he needs to forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. Two main things we need to address tonight is how do we do this? What does it look like to forget what is behind? And what does it mean to press on toward the goal of Jesus Christ? Well, I mentioned this a moment ago. But you know, when we put our hope in our resume or in our accomplishments, what we're doing is we're actually putting our hope in the expectations of others and expectations of the world. We're, we're looking around and thinking, okay, people will be happy if I do these things. Therefore, I'm going to acquiesce to what they think of me. I am going to accomplish these goals that they want for me, right? There's, we all know what this looks like. There is a certain expectation that we all sort of feel growing up. We all sort of have over us, and we think we have to do these things to be accepted. I mean, how many of you, if you stopped and thought for a second, could come up with a pretty long list of expectations that you felt growing up, or even still feel now? Maybe it was from parents. Maybe it was from your culture. Like I said, I, in, in U.S. church culture, this is actually can really be a toxic thing. People live lives with, with, with vast, vast secret sins because they want to look so perfect on the outside. Like I said before, when you consider your boasting, where did that come from? <laughs> Many of us had unfair or bad expectations thrust upon us from the world that, that, or from our own Selves. How many of us have unfair expectations we put on ourselves, right? Right? Anyone else? Yeah? Yeah? Good. And, 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 but if we allow these expectations to be the thing that we're boasting in, if we allow these expectations to be the thing that we are striving for and not for Christ, then we are bowing down. This is not just a little sin. This is idolatry, right? First commandment, have no other gods besides me. This is the big one. This is idolatry. 
This is you are bowing down to the expectations of what the world thinks you should be and not striving for Christ. But what Paul says here is, I did all of that. I accomplished all those goals, and next to knowing Jesus, it was like garbage. If we boast in anything but Christ, church, sisters and brothers, we are missing the point. If we are striving for anything else but knowing Jesus Christ, striving for expectations of people or culture, we are missing the point. This is why Paul wrote to the Galatian church, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So when we think about letting go of the stuff from our past, what we need to know is what hurts do we have? What hurts do we still have from the past? When in our past or even now do we still feel like a failure because we did not meet people's expectations? (laughs) Paul says we need to let that go. We need to strive to Christ and we need to let go of that stuff that is behind us. It doesn't mean, by the way, forgetting. It doesn't mean pretending it didn't happen. We need to work through it. We have a great cloud of witnesses in this room. We have the church worldwide to join together. Sometimes we need professional help and counseling. Sometimes we need to have hard conversations. But but whatever that process looks like for you, we need to find ways to move forward towards Christ and leave those expectations behind. The expectations of our culture, the expectations of, of or potential unfair expectations that were thrust upon us? Because we all know what it means to cling to what's behind us. Every single one of you in this room knows what that means. We're human. We look back all the time. We always look back and think about the expectations we put on ourselves or the expectations others put on us. But I need you to remember something. Remember the words of the Apostle Paul. And know that those things next to Jesus Christ are garbage. Absolute garbage. And that expectation from someone else, that hurt from your past, that does not define you. That is not what God has for you. These things might leave scars. These things are difficult, yes. And they might come up, but they do not define you. We are called here very clearly in the scriptures to move on from these things. And then, once we are able to move on, we are called to press on toward Christ and Christ alone. And what that looks like is actually asking the question to hear from God. God, what do you have for me? What am I to do with my life? What are you teaching me? What sin do I need to repent of and get rid of like we just sang about? What sin do I need to repent of and get rid of so that I might go forward pressing on towards the goal that is Jesus Christ and him alone? What is lingering? As I said, maybe there's unconfessed sin. Maybe there's lingering pride. Maybe there's hurt and scars that you've never dealt with. But we are called to get rid of it, to leave it all behind, and to go to Christ so that we might achieve this thing he's talking about, this righteousness that comes from faith not from works, right? For we are saved by grace through faith so that none of us can boast. And so when Paul boasts, when Paul brags now, when Paul tells people about something worthy, he tells them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
how this Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and this Jesus gave him this gift of faith that he didn't have to rest in his own accomplishments and strength. He didn't have to live up to the expectations of others, but he simply had to strain and reach out for Jesus. And let me tell you, as a pastor, uh, I believe this too. We must, as a church, learn to lean into this gift of faith, learn to trust God, even when it's difficult. I was reading a book this week, and a theologian named John Weborg, got a great last name, he said, he said, God is to be trusted, but at times, one must take another person's word for it. God is to be trusted, but you know what? Sometimes we just have to take another person's word for it because it's real tough to do in the moment. And so if you trust me, there's one person. Take my word for it. You can trust him. If you need more words for it, ask around. Right? Um, do you rest in the gift of faith God has given you in that alone? Do you consider all you once held dear lost for the sake of Jesus Christ? You know, going back to how we started tonight, think about that. Think about those things you've placed your confidence in. And then I want you to do, give yourself an honest assessment. How's it going? Honestly, the answer may be going quite well. We're in a good place, right? I've talked to many people who just say, well, why do I need Jesus? I got a good life. I make a good living. I live in a beautiful place. Everything's good, and that's fine. It's understandable. We live in a place with a lot of great advantages. Um, but, but I guarantee you, if you ask around, Ask someone who's lived a little bit more life or ask someone who has gone through a little bit more struggle. That they will say the same thing I've heard and the same thing that I've experienced in my however many years following Jesus. That those things we place our confidence in, being a Hebrew of Hebrews, following the law, following, living up to all those expectations, they eventually let us down. And in my experience, every single time I've trusted in the expectations of people rather than God, it's let me down. Every single time. Because I can't do it. Who among us can live a perfect life? Who among us can live up to all the expectations and be all things to all people? We may try, but we just, we can't. And God calls us to leave behind those expectations, to leave behind those confidences you once held so dear, and to count all things lost next to the love of Jesus Christ, next to the gift of faith that he offers each one of us. That we would be able to, through the gift of faith, press on in knowing him and to seek out his kingdom and his righteousness, which weeks ago when we talked about the Sermon on the Mount, we talked about was the whole point of this whole thing, right? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Brothers and sisters, that is our goal. Leave behind these things. Forget what, what is behind and strain towards what is ahead, that you would know Jesus more fully, more completely, and that that would be the source of your righteousness, that that would be the source when people see your life, they are drawn to you and want to know more about this Jesus. May you and I learn what this means. And if we need help, let's ask each other. Let's ask one another. Shall we pray? God, thank you. Paul says here that 
somehow he seeks to attain new life as Jesus did. Lord, we, we don't understand how that works, but we trust you. Lord, we trust and know that you are good and that you are better than the things this world has to offer. And so, Father, we thank you for the gifts. We thank you for knowledge and, and resumes and family and friends and all of these wonderful things, Father, but we do not place our trust in them. Father, teach us what it means to place our trust in you and you alone. Let us consider all of those things garbage next to knowing you, the author and perfecter of our faith. And so, God, teach us, reveal to us those things that we are looking backwards on, that we might look forward. Lord, you are good. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.